This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Jets Grit Per 60 podcast, the shutdown edition. See what I see what I did there. Uh, my name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC, and I'm joined from Gainesville. Hey everyone, I'm Brendan, also known as TCJ. TCJ, what's what's on tap for us today? Yeah, so uh, today we're joined by Corey Snyder. Uh, not not the goalie, um, but uh, Corey, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, I go by Shutdown Line on Twitter. I'm known for tracking a lot of microstats, posting them on posting them in Tableau on Twitter and uh, ranting about the Carolina Hurricanes. See, see now, now the, uh, now the title makes sense because he's the shutdown line on Twitter. They can call it the Lowry podcast if that works. The Lowry team. podcast. Sure. I like, I like Lowry. I'm not, not sure if it's the Lowry uh, thing or if it's Lowry and cop, you know? Yeah. They're kind of a scary. nice one too there. Big, big cop fans. Um, and I think is more of a cop fan than I am. Yeah. Uh, so Corey, you said that you also have a, uh, like a newsletter going on, right? Yeah. My girlfriend and I just started a uh, sub stack. Basically we're going to be writing once a week about whatever is on our mind. It's going to be a lot of hockey related stuff, but it could be, could be just anything. Like she had a great post about how to keep fans engaged during a pandemic like especially with youth, youth hockey programs and that was a like she she does a lot of work in youth hockey so that's a big deal to her and today i have today i have a post about offensive defensemen like uh roman yosi like roman yosi had a unbelievable season just in terms of producing offense and i and i talked about it a little bit and what it might mean going forward because there's a lot of really skilled defensemen right now and i feel like teams can do a lot more to get the most out of these a lot of these kids coming out, coming uh, into the league. So uh, be on the lookout for that today. I just posted it on Twitter. And if you signed up, it's right in your inbox. Do you, do you mind if I ask about that offensive defenseman? Yeah, sure. Do you, so did you just write about Roman Yossi or can I ask about other defensemen that? Uh, well, well, Yossi was like the, to. Yossi was the main subject because he was kind of the talk of the league this year, especially through the stats I, I track like uh, zone entry, zone exits, and uh, shots and shot assists, which are basically just setups. And he pretty much broke the scale on all my charts that I posted. He was producing shots, passes, and entries at just an unbelievable rate for a defenseman. And usually if a defenseman is really good at things like entries and exits, it doesn't, well, entries specifically, it's not that big in the grand scheme of things because it's more like, a really good defenseman, like a really good offensive defenseman produces as much as like, say, a low end second line forward. Right. Yossi, on the other hand, was producing like a first liner, which really had, doesn't happen that much, especially like in terms of transition and carrying the puck through the neutral zone. And I was talking about how the game has kind of changed a little bit. Like when I watched hockey, when I first started watching hockey, uh, the best offensive defenseman was Mike Green of the Washington Capitals. And he was an incredible goal scoring defenseman. And I went back and watched a lot of his footage from the Caps. And 
like how he dominated offensively was different. He was just finding soft spots in the defense and scoring layup goals and just taking anything that pretty much the defense was giving him. Whereas Yossi is creating a lot on his own, like Eric Carlson did when he was with the senators and like he still does with the sharks as soon as he gets healthy again. And uh, Yossi was Yossi is different because he's like a combination of the two. Like he does pick his spots a lot, but there's a lot, I felt like there was a lot more Nashville could do to get more out of him because that team still kind of struggled offensively, even despite his great play. So I wondered like, Hey, is there, is there a way that Nashville or pretty much any team that has a great offensive defenseman like him can take advantage of their skill set and get the most out of them? Like the Caps did with Mike Green and Maybe we'll see another defenseman score thirty goals and like eighty points again. We'll see. Well, this is a this is a Jets podcast, so I was going to ask about a few Jets defensemen. Are you prepared to answer these questions? I might be like, yeah, I might be like, um, uh, it's funny. I just saw the Devil sign Dmitry Kulikov, and I legit thought he was still on the Jets for another year. <laughs> no, nah, we kept most of the other bad defensemen from last year, though. So like Lucas Sabiza. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, I saw that. If you want, if you want to know my thoughts on Lucas Sabiza, you need to listen to our podcast two episodes ago. I think it was two episodes ago. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. So I was going to ask. So with the Jets, sort of the defenseman that is sold as your prototypical offensive defenseman is Neil Pionk, and there are questions of whether or not he actually does that much offensively. Do you, can you provide any clarification for us of whether or not he's actually a good offensive com, uh, defenseman or? Do, did you have you not looked into Neil Pionk yet? Uh, I mean, Pionk is Pionk's a very like old, like the old way of defining offensive defenseman because he gets points, and it's a lot of points on the power play, kind of from kind of from like sliding the puck over to line A, or getting a deflection or something like that. It's a very I don't know. He doesn't do a lot dynamically for me. He's a great skater and all, but. I don't know. Like his, he was not good with the Rangers. Like he was legit one of the most, he was one of the worst defensemen in the league when it came to defensive play, especially with defending entries. But like he did a few things, uh, he did a few things that were okay offensively. Like he could skate with the puck sometimes, but it didn't really put together into anything that was that impressive to me. Cause I feel like you can find defensemen that are in, you can find a really good AHL defenseman or a defenseman making like, a million, two million a year if you do the same thing as him, in my opinion. It's just that he's a right-hand shot, too, and teams seem to, I don't know. There's this belief that, like, right-hand shots are better. I don't know what it is. Like, they're better offensively than other defensemen. I've never really understood that much, to be honest. But yeah. I feel like he's coasting on a lot of that reputation, and he gets a lot of, he gets a lot of, like, easy secondary points, too. Like, I don't want to say easy because he does have some kind of, he does have some creativity. Like it does take, like being able to run like the point on a power play does like take some ability, but I don't know. I feel like you can get another guy for a million, two million bucks to do the same thing. Neil Pionk is like one of those weird players where like I was looking at his um, like RAPM on Evolving Wild, or I guess it's Evolving Hockey. And it's crazy because he's just like a totally mediocre, like five on five defenseman, but he's like a great guy at the point on the power play. So I'm never really sure how to gauge those guys. Yeah, uh, he's always – that was an interesting thing to me just because of how bad he was on the Rangers. And, uh, like, I know some Rangers fans said he's had a bit of a renaissance with the Jets, and I always wondered what was going on there because 
mean, I personally didn't really like watching the Jets power play that much this past year, just because I felt like it was too slow. They took it. Teams were taking away the cross seam pass to line A a lot, and they moved they moved line A to the front of the net too. And uh, I don't know. It just felt like the power play was running through Pionk, and it just created like an extra step to getting the puck to line A, and teams kind of teams could kind of like uh, like zone in on him more just because they knew where the play was going. But it's it is interesting to see that like his results were pretty good because like to me he doesn't do anything that's that impressive especially with the forwards on that Jets power play unit because that power play has been good for a long time. And I feel like you can get pretty much anybody that like shoots right, put them at the point there and they'll do well. Like, like Dustin Bufflin did. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I kind of wanted to take a step back here and sort of um, how did you get started with tracking games and all that? Uh, well, I started when I was in college, my senior year. Well, when I was doing well, when I first started the blog shutdown line, I was doing a lot of scoring chance tracking, and I noticed Eric Tulski and a bunch of other Flyers bloggers were tracking zone entries, and it seemed like a cool thing to. It was a cool way to get like a closer look at the game, just because I wasn't very happy with. I was always frustrated with just how limited we were with the data that the NHL gives us, especially at the time. This is like 2011, so really we were just limited to Corsi and zone starts back then. So I wanted I wanted better data to like for my own work on the Hurricanes, and I kind of just took on a life of it. So people were interested in it, and a couple people were asking, "Hey, can you track entries for like the Rangers, or can you track entries for like?" five stars games or something because i want to see this and then i started doing that then i and it was pretty fun i was good i learned a lot about a bunch of different teams and uh then then it kind of just took a life of its own and uh i started doing a whole bunch of tracking projects and that's kind of my job now well sort of what i like about what you do is that it's kind of like that perfect uh intersection of like watch the games like the whole eye test crowd and like the analytics crowd Um, because it involves a lot of like real on ice stuff that you can see like you know you will see fans like complain about like oh well this guy can't get the puck out of his own zone he sucks Um, and it's like a sort of analytical way to back that up um, without like really confusing people you know because like you ask like the average person like what's a course and they're like i don't know right um, but it doesn't really take much to kind of understand like what a zone exit or like a zone entry is. Yeah, that's, that's what I, that's, what's nice about it too. It's kind of easy to reference, especially since a lot of it's timestamps. So like if I personally see something that bothers me or stands out to me during a game, I can just easily like clip it or get it on Twitter. And there's a lot of people that are, there's a lot of people that are more like entrenched in the game than I am. They can like explain it further. Like Jack Hahn, he can explain like what goes on from like a team or a system point that's causing a player to have a terrible zone exit percentage or bad entry or a player that's bad at carrying the puck into the zone or a team that's bad, a team that's bad at creating chances that creates a lot from the point. He can kind of go further to see what they're doing wrong as a team, like what they're doing structurally. So it's a lot of things you can build on. Cause like personally me, I'm always focused on what I'm tracking. I don't catch a lot of defensive play or off puck play. So like, so it's, it's a really nice kind of tool to have like to make analysis better. 
Yeah, so uh, let's get into the Jets because you know we kind of talked about a lot of things that are not the Jets. Um, I guess sort of what I the first thing I wanted to ask was generally what did you notice about the Jets this season, or I guess this last season? Yeah, they're they've been a frustrating team to kind of follow just because I felt like they had a window. So I thought they had a window that was a lot longer than it actually was as far as competing for a cup, and like this past year. It just seems like everything kind of everything sort of fell apart except Connor Hellebuck and Nikolai Ehlers. Like he had a really good season. Like Ehlers is one of my favorite players to watch. Like yes, Ehlers is one of our favorite players too. It's basically been our podcast was like, all right, uh, Ehlers is like their one really good play driver in the top six, and Connor Hellebuck is saving their asses the entire time. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me because they have a lot of guys who do well by the stats. I track Kyle Connor. Well. Connor does pretty well, like not as good as Mark Shifley. He was the one I wanted to say, but like Shifley does really well in terms of entries, exits and creating like high danger shots or high danger passes. And uh, I don't know, like a couple of guys, I don't know what happened to Blake Wheeler the last three seasons or so, but he's kind of a guy that's just coasting on points. It's like, he doesn't drive play as well as he used to. He used to be one of the best in the league at this. And the past couple of past three years or so, like that's going out the window, but he's still producing. So it's not as much of a problem as it could be. So I don't know. And they still play him a lot. They play him at center too, which is always weird to me. Like the jets always just seem very just disjointed aside from their top players. And even then there's, and even then it's like line A's had a couple of rough seasons, but line A had a very interesting year to me. Cause like by the eye test, I thought he had a better season than he did last year. Because I noticed him create, he was creating offense. He was getting in on the four check, creating turnovers, and doing more than just scoring off the rush and from a spot. But at the end of the day, he was still like he was still a negative player by shot differentials, by expected goals, and he didn't score much at the end of the day either. So, yeah, it, they're just very they're just very disjointed and confusing. Like that's. Like, I think they're good enough to be a playoff team is the thing, but I don't know if they're – that's – they're in that middle ground where it's like, yeah, they're, they can make the playoffs, especially in the West. But after that, it's like I don't really have a lot of faith in them going forward. Yeah, so uh, I guess, like, you, you kind of talked about how the Jets have kind of fallen off a cliff a bit in the last, like, couple of years. Uh, are there any obvious differences – uh, for you between like the jets of 2017, 18 and, you know, since then. Uh, yeah, that's where it gets a little confusing. Cause like by the stats I track, they, they do fine in terms of entering the zone, but I wonder how, I wonder how much of that is just Ehlers and Shifley boosting the average. And even with the 2017 jets, I feel like they did, they did coast a little bit off scoring off their few, like, it's like when they had a rush, they scored on it just because they have the talent to be able to do so. And like the last couple of years, they just can't just because the talent's gotten a little worse. The defense is much worse than it used to be. And they've had to, to rely on Connor Hellebuck a lot more than they used to. So I think, I think that's the main thing though, just because they were always kind of a quick strike team that that's how they got most of their goals. And they try to outscore a lot of their problems. They just, a lot of their key defensive players just haven't played as well as they used to. Like Adam Lowry used to be one of the best, like he, he had a really good season in 2017 at 
like tilting the ice in the right direction. He was a really good, that line was just a really good forechecking line. And the last couple of years, they haven't been that like him and like him and Andrew Kopp have had like, okay seasons, but just not, just not nearly as good as it was two or three years ago. That sort of seems like the trend here, um, you know, with, with a lot of guys. Um, so, you know, just from watching the Jets, how would you categorize like their playing style? Like they're a rush team, but they're a forward dependent team. If you look at like, I make a lot of graphs on Tableau that show the team point of view. And if you look at their zone exit graph, you'll notice that their, their defense does not handle the puck much at all for exits and their forwards do a lot of the work there. And they just don't have a lot of faith in their defense to like make a breakout pass or or a stretch pass. So they're depending a lot on guys like Ehlers to just lug the puck through the neutral zone and create it themselves. So I think that could be where some of the, some of the differences I haven't looked at it too much in depth, but I know they had, they had some really good players like Bufflin and Enstrom to kind of do that work a few years ago. Whereas like now they don't like right now it's really just Josh Morrissey and not really anybody else. So I was going to ask, uh, do you track like entries against so we can look at the way the Jets like defend the blue line? Yeah, I do. Is it to get against things like that? So do you have anything, any insights there? Uh, Yeah, they're a team that likes to protect the middle a lot. They collapse into the, like, even when they were playing well and they were six, they were winning a lot. They were, they were a team that liked to, that liked to give up the blue line and kind of collapse to the middle and prevent passes. And I mean, I feel like that kind of play work, that kind of style of play works to a point, but I just don't, I don't think it has a lot of sustainability just because you're still allowing a team to get into your zone a lot. You're, you still have to have players who can get the puck out of the zone after that. Whereas if you're a team that stands up a lot at the blue line, it's a lot easier to get transition the puck that way, especially a team like the Jets that likes to get on the fly a lot. So like, I think that's where it kind of, I think that could be where it sort of fell apart for them. Like they just don't have the defenseman who can keep up with forwards at the, and shadow them at the blue line as well they use, as they used to. Like that's one of Josh Morrissey's calling cards. He's very good at doing that. But uh, and like a, a guy like Tobias Enstrom used to be really good at doing that too. And Jacob Truba was good at that, but he had a rough final year with the Jets. And he's kind of, I think they, the Truba thing is interesting because I think they got out of that at the right time, but they missed Truba when he was good too. That's the other thing. You, you said it works to a point, and I would like to point out that as someone who watched them all season. It did not work at all. No. It did not work at all. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's a lot of teams that – there are teams that try to do this. Like, Columbus does this a lot. Well, yeah, Columbus does this, and they do it pretty well, but, like, Columbus is still – it's in – like, Columbus is not a great team. Like, they're a good – they're a good to pretty good team that makes the wild card every year, and that's kind of where the Jets are too but the Jets have higher expectations just because of their forwards. I feel like the, the Blue Jackets are better at doing it, but with, like, maybe not all five, but more players. Like, the Jets can do it with, like, their defensemen and give up a lot, whereas the Blue Jackets will defend with everybody and just be like, no, you're not getting anywhere in our zone. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's sort of, that's pretty true. Yeah, the Blue Jackets, they're, they do back check pretty hard there. 
Well, I was just thinking about how uh, you were talking about how like the Jets, you know, kind of focus on collapsing the middle and, you know, it, it always cracks me up that whenever I see one of Micah's charts and there's always just like this giant red blob right in front of Connor Hallebuck. No, not not right in front of Connor Hellbuck. Where he's standing, there will be a giant red blob. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing with collapse. That's the thing with allowing teams into the zone and collapsing. Though, like you're still, it's like yeah. The point is, you don't want to give up any high danger chances, but you're still giving up a lot by volume. And if you're a team that can't, if you're a team that doesn't trust your defense, like the Jets didn't this year, like you're going to give up a lot because you have guys who are not clearing the puck and they can only get out. Like they can only get out of the zone unless they skate it out. They can't. They don't make a lot of. They don't. They don't make a lot of clears off the wall and plays like that to get out of the zone. Like, it's like very feast or famine with how they play. Which, yeah, it. Yeah, I'm. I was surprised that. Like, I was surprised that they even kind of made the fake playoffs this year, just from. Yeah. They were playing a bit a little bit better as things started to shut down. So I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have made the, I mean, it would have been a little bit surprised if they made the actual playoffs had it gone the way it's usually structured. Um, but I think they were always going to be like the first team out or not the first team, out, but if we had the regular structure, maybe the ninth team is the most probable. I feel like the bigger surprise wasn't that like the jets were worse defensively. It was that like, just how much worse it was like yeah i believe the jets finished like with a worse expected goals than detroit did this year which is like one hell of an accomplishment um but yeah to me that, that's that was the big thing for me was just how much worse it was yeah like i wonder how much of this is personnel and just how much of it is play style because like they don't they have a lot of defensemen who they have high X, they have high X with possession rates, but they have high turnover rates too. So it's like, like I said, it's very feast or famine. They don't, they don't make a lot of low percent. They don't make a lot of, I don't want to say they're low percentage plays because like they, they're just clears. Like they don't do a lot of that. Like they either, like they, they feel like they have to skate it out or make a pass. And like, yeah, that's the optimal play a lot of times, but when you're under duress constantly and like when you're under duress constantly, you're giving up that many shots. Like it's a problem. And that just, I mean, I look at their blue line. I just don't know how many defensemen there can actually like skate it out or make passes efficiently. Cause after Josh Morrissey and I guess Dylan DeMello, like you're kind of scraping the bottom there. Like Tucker Pullman's a guy who I'm not really sure about either. Like he's still young, but I don't really know if he's good or not because his stats have just been very broken through his career so far. Well, and the other, guys are just guys right. they, the other guys are guys they got off waivers, because, like, Anthony like Anthony Potato and Lucas Spiza, like, they're all just waiver fodders. The well, other, don't the one don't guy, forget about uh, Carl Dahlstrom, too. They got him off waivers, too, last year. Yeah, Carl Dahlstrom. Like, I actually – like, I live uh, – I live where Chicago's AHL team play, and I've seen him a fair bit. He's, like, the typical seventh defenseman who doesn't do a lot of things well, but he won't, like – he just doesn't make that one oops play that coaches hate, so he gets in the lineup a lot, even though he kind of just – will just stand there and exist for most of the game, which is how I feel about a lot of the Jets. Like I said on Twitter right before the playoffs started that – 
Like their scouting report on half the roster is basically just they exist and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. I was going to bring up, uh, they didn't get him off waivers, but Derek Forbert is another guy that I'm, I feel like is just going to be like, yeah, he's there. For, yeah, Forbert's, uh, yeah, Forbert's the guy who was pretty good defensive results like in all of his stops and average stats as far as the ones I track, like exits and stuff like that. Well, then maybe so he's a guy. He's a guy that's not going to hurt you at the very least, but he won't like, I think one of the things I said about him is like, Forber could play a hundred games for my favorite team. And I would not remember a single thing about him, which I don't know. That's a good or a bad thing, depending on who you ask. The one guy who I'm kind of curious about on the jets is Sammy Niku. Cause he see, it seems like he's the guy who has that dynamic kind of skating ability that we're, they're looking for, but I don't know if they trust him or not. See, that's the thing with, uh, with me is that like, I want to believe in Sammy Niku. Like, I feel like he's got a lot of talent, but it's never like come into anything at the NHL level. Like I know it's, he's never really had a whole lot of consistent playing time. And I know that he's always been like sewered with really bad partners in like a short amount of minutes. Yeah. I was going to, but say his, his on ice results game. have been terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, that's to see kind it. of a, it's kind of a common theme with some of the really a lot of the jets and some of the Paul Maurice, Paul Maurice teams throughout the years, like as far as calling up guys goes, like, especially with the hurricanes when he was, when he was there, like for whatever reason, they, they had a really hard time integrating talent from the AHL level into Carolina. Like the only guy who really that they called up and was successful was Brandon Sutter, like a checking line center. So that's, I feel like that's kind of carried over to the Jets because I look at who they've called up and who's been able to stick at the NHL level there. It's a lot of guys who play like a simple straight line game. Like Lowry and Cop turned into pretty good players, but I feel like they want all of their players to play like Lowry and Cop, except for Kyle Connor, who broke out of that. You want to talk about young prospects who have that dynamic ability. Are you familiar with Ville Henela? Yeah, a little bit. Because he's my he's my pick on that Jets blue line to to break out this season. Uh, we got we got a short look at him last season, and then he went over to Finland, which is still a, a decision I disagree with. Um, but I, I think he's got a lot more potential than Sammy Niku has. Yeah, I kind of forgot about him, but I I tend to forget about a lot of things prospects just because there's there's only so much I can like retain, you know. <laughs> But yeah, Niku's just the one guy I've actually like seen before. So let's uh, let's double back here. You kind of mentioned Paul Maurice, and um, I've been kind of critical of him in the past. I think he kind of makes a, a, a Jets team that should be fairly exciting, fairly boring to watch. Um, really, I didn't like the way their offense operated last year. So I kind of just want your thoughts on Paul Maurice. Yeah, I just. I feel like he he's a very average like NHL coach. I don't think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of coaches who are like worse than him. I don't really know if I don't really know if you take like whoever's coaching the moose right now if they'll be if they'll do much better than him, just because I feel like a lot of coaches are kind of the same as far as their biases and who they play goes and how they want their team to play. Cause a lot of guys when they come up, it's, it's like, oh, I want our team to play fast, exciting hockey. And then after like 50 games, it's like, oh, we want to limit chances. We want to 
when it's shots. But I, I also feel like, I don't know, the message gets stale after a while with every coach. And with Paul Maurice, it's like he's a, he's a guy that wants to limit shots and limit offense and limit basically everything. And the Jets are still – they're one of the worst teams by expected goals, and they're relying on Connor Hellebuck to win games. So, like, either he – I feel like he probably – like replacing him, I don't know how much worse like the Jets will be off if they do that. But yeah, like it's it's a tough it's a tough game with coaches. Like I don't know who can coach that defense into being good. But at the same time, I'm looking at like what Paul Maurice has been doing in the past. Like they like they shouldn't be great, but they also shouldn't be the worst team. They shouldn't be worse than Detroit by expected goals. Is what I'm saying. Well, so they- yeah. That was the thing that got me. It was like, okay, it'd be one thing if like the defensive results were bad and they were at least like productive when they were in the offensive zone. Like I kind of get the Jets being, you know, sort of pinned in their own zone a lot. When your defense is that bad and you rely on your forwards a lot to get the puck out of the zone. I kind of understand it. Uh, but their offensive res- offensive results were also terrible. And I was looking at, you know, Micah's uh chart of where the jets were taking their shots from and it's all like above the dots like it's mostly at the points uh which is weird because one their defensemen are terrible offensively for the most part and, and two but, like you're not getting the puck into dangerous zones or, or dangerous parts of the ice yeah brendan, that... brendan point shots work yeah right watch the game nerd yeah yeah that's uh yeah, one of that was like one of my pet peeves with the Jets. It's like they have a lot of, uh, like when I when I've watched the Moose when they played in Rockford, they had a lot of guys who seemed like they'd be really good at productive, like at least middle six NHLers like Jack Roslevic and Mason Appleton. I thought they would be pretty good NHL players. They were great, like they were great in the AHL. But when they came to the NHL, it's like all they can do is just. It seems like all they're they're allowed to do is just skate in a straight line, beat the points, and just get back and defend. That's really all it seems like they're allowed to do. And I feel like that's kind of had an effect on the rest of the lineup. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like only one line is allowed to do anything there. And that's whatever line Ehlers and Scheibler are on. And I guess I, I see what you're, you're, you're explaining, but I still also really love Jack Roslovic. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like he's not going to stick around, which makes me sad. But yeah, I, I mean, I liked him. I just thought he'd be a lot better than what he's shown so far. But... I, I get. Oh, I was going to go back to something you said earlier, um, where you were describing Paul Maurice as this coach that really wants to limit shots and limit chances and things like that. And I'm hearing you describe this, and I go, "Yeah, that makes sense from what I'm seeing." And now I'm thinking. With the players they have, is that really the style you want to play? You don't have guys that do that effectively other than maybe Cop or Lowry and maybe maybe now Paul Stastny. Well, yeah, I, I think you would really rather play a much more expressive attacking style of hockey, but maybe that's just me because I leaned in that direction anyway. But I feel like maybe there's a disconnect between what the GM sees and the players and how the coach is using those players. And maybe that's driving some more negative uh, results on the ice. Yeah, like, like I was looking up Roslovic's stats earlier, and they were a lot worse than I thought. Like, he could still – but he could still score, like, a decent rate. 
like he could still score a decent rate. He was still setting up shots and goals at a decent rate. So I think there's a lot there with him. It's just that the way the Jets are playing right now, he might not, it's just he doesn't fit the way the Jets are playing right now. And he's just told to skate in a straight line and do nothing else and defend. And that has a negative negative impact on the rest of the lineup. And I know he's been kind of, they've been kind of messing around of where he plays too. Like I've seen him play center and wing a bunch and, that messes with a player's head a bunch because it's like, oh, the coach like doesn't know what to do with me. He doesn't know like where it's like the coach doesn't know where to play me in the lineup. Does he not does he trust me or not? So that so like that's a problem too. And like looking at the Jets, like uh one of the things I do track is uh pass passing plays, like how often teams are feeding the point and how often they're creating like high danger passing pay, plays like through the slot. And like the Jets are a team that does feed the point a lot. They also have their share of like high danger plays, but they're all off the rush and they're all from like three players. So like that goes back to what I said earlier. It's like they live and die by what one line does essentially. So it's just kind of, it's just kind of like the rut they're in right now. And I do wonder if, I wonder if adding Paul Stastny is kind of like one of the ways they're trying to fix it. Cause like Stastny is a guy who doesn't do a lot in the rush by himself, but he helps facilitate a lot for other players and, like he's perfect for a guy like Ehlers because he does a lot of short, quick passes and puts himself in a good scoring position while Ehlers carries the puck in. So I think that's I think that's like one way they might be trying to fix it. But Stasty's also like 35 right now too, so it's a little yeah. I just want Ehlers and Line A with any competent second line center. Yeah, like I remember Blake Wheeler was the center for a little bit last year, and Wheeler is not a center. As much as the Jets try to make him a center, he's he has never been great there. But he was kind of their best second line center last year. Yeah, which that's was, not really saying much. Right, right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. He's not a center, but if you needed someone on the second line to play center, he was kind of the guy at times, which is not great. Which is why, yeah, like team. that's what I go back with Roslovic because, like, Roslovic was a really good center in the AHL and he's a really good two way center, too. And they just seems like they stuck him on the wing for most of his time in Winnipeg. And, like, when he does play center, it doesn't seem like he's playing with a lot of confidence either. So, you know, when we, yeah, sorry, when it comes to Stastny. Uh, you know, again, like you were talking about how the Jets rely a lot on their forwards to get the puck out of the zone. Um, you know, how much does that mean for the Jets to have a, hopefully like a decent second line center um, in terms of, you know, like puck possession and, and entries and exits? Yeah, Stastny's always been an, an interesting player because he doesn't, he doesn't carry the puck much himself, but when he does, he's very efficient. Like he's very good at just finding gaps and like wherever, like wherever the defense isn't on the ice and getting the puck out of the zone and like into the offensive zone. But he doesn't do a lot of rushes himself. But he kind of he's really good at being like that support guy off the wall or finding us or just getting to the net while uh well like or he like he drives the center line a lot gets to the net while like guys like Ehlers carry the puck in. He did a lot of that in uh, he did a lot of that in Vegas with Mark Stone. And like Mark Stone is a huge puck hog there, kind of the same way Ehlers is, and they were an effective second line. I just wonder, like Stastny, uh, like Stastny's getting old. He's he was hurt a lot the last two seasons too, so that's my main concern there. And I just wonder, 
like I think Stastny will be a good player in Winnipeg. I just wonder how good it'll make them in the grand scheme of things because like they also need Lowry and to have a really big bounce back season to get back to where he was two three years ago. Like if I if they're gonna be like go deep into the playoffs, at least in my opinion, because like I feel like Stastny can help, but I feel like he doesn't move the needle that much. Okay, you also compared uh, Nikolai Ellers to Mark Stone, so that's just music to my ears. Yeah, a little bit in the same way how they – I mean, I don't know if Ehlers is like the takeaway machine that Mark Stone is, but they both love having the puck a lot. And if they're on the ice, like get out, just get out of the way and go to the net, and you'll get the puck basically. <laughs> like, You don't really need to do much. Yeah, I feel like you'll you'll say something similar um, – about this uh but uh, so dylan Demello, i feel like is another guy who is you know just one of those guys who uh is a fairly good player but he's also going to be pressed into uh more difficult situations or more ice time uh than he really should be you know like is dylan Demello like a top pairing defenseman probably not but he's also like simultaneously the jets best option I don't know what you. I don't know what your thoughts on Dylan Demello were. Yeah, he. Yeah, Demello is interesting because, like, when he was with the Sharks, he was a very sheltered player. He didn't really do much aside from shoot the puck a lot. But, like, one thing he's been really good at is he just doesn't turn the puck over. He doesn't do a lot of stupid things when it comes when it comes to getting the puck out of the zone. Like, he's very good at just basically just being a fire extinguisher in the defensive zone and just making safe plays with the puck and not, and not, well, not even just turning the puck over, make sure, making sure the puck gets out of the zone period so that it can either get a change or maybe spring a breakaway to like healers or somebody. But, See, my, my lasting memory of DeMello in San Jose was getting mad that DeBoer wouldn't play him over Roman Polak in the finals. So, yeah, like he's uh I mean, he's exactly what the Jets need right now. I just wonder how much he can, like, move the needle himself. Because he he did play a lot in Ottawa with uh, Thomas Shabbat, who, like, uh, I was going to say is similar to somebody on the Jets, but that kind of got lost there. But um, but he did play a lot in Ottawa, and he played really tough minutes in Ottawa, too. So I think he does have enough experience there. I don't know if he's really a top-pairing defenseman, but as far as somebody who, like, kind of, what the Jets need right now. He's he's a good option for not much money. See, that's what I was afraid of is that like he might be their best option for that right now because unless they really want to move one of their big forwards, uh, they're not going to acquire a a top pairing right-handed defenseman anytime soon. Yeah, I was wondering what exactly is going to happen there as far as like because there was rumors that they're that they were going to make a few big trades they were at least listening to they were at least listening to like offers on like lining and healers but nothing really nothing really happened there so i was wondering if they were going to make a big shakeup or not but that's kind of i don't know the jets don't do that a lot though it's just not really in their dna to make huge moves well shell day off just doesn't make trades in general yeah like that's what i that's what i thought of when they signed uh stastny it's like oh, okay this is a guy that's going to make us a little better but how much of it is going to help them, you know, like be, be a cup contender? Is it going to make them better than Colorado? Like, 
which is a really tough ask right now. But even, I mean, not even just Colorado, like can they at least be better than St. Louis? I was just saying, you know, maybe if Colorado gets really hurt again this year, like maybe we got a shot at that. But yeah, we won't well, have like, to worry about it because Canada division. That's true. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see. In the traditional, well, I mean, in the traditional divisions, though, maybe. I just wonder, like, can they be better than St. Louis, who just lost Alex Petrangelo, or better than Dallas? Well, like Dallas went to the Cup final, but that I'm still not sure not, what to make of that. They were they were not a great team the regular season last year, and like I I don't know Dallas if they played Winnipeg head to head in seven games I don't know who would win like to be perfectly honest like Dallas can defend yeah but Dallas absolutely would win yeah I don't know about that because Line A just last seems season to score. absolutely I I don't know because Line A Line A has averaging like a hat trick a game per, against Dallas so. That's At least he was, but I don't know. Like, I mean, you get what I'm saying though, right? Cause it's not really, I feel like the bar isn't as high as the bar to make the playoffs. Isn't like as high as we always think it is. It's like Nashville lost two of their, lost two of their highest score. Well, not, they lost two of basically their third line with Craig Smith and Bamino leaving too. So, and I don't know if they did much to get better. So, you brought him up and I feel like we just kind of have to ask everybody this as account of, you know, just sort of as being a part of a jets podcast. Uh, what are your thoughts on Patrick line a and should they move Patrick line? Yeah, that's uh, I mean, I really, I really like line a as a, I mean, as a goal scorer, he's shown the ability to be one of the best finishers like that we've seen like in the modern era. And, like, I don't discount that, but it hasn't been happening the last two seasons. Like, he's still a really good finisher, but, like, uh, a few people have compared him to Mike Hoffman, and I'm like, oh, would I pay $6 million to Mike Hoffman or make him part of my core forever? Which is an interesting question because it's, it's a guy who scores a lot of goals who will get you, like, 30 goals a year, but be a drain on five-on-five five play. And I don't know, like, by the eye test – I thought Line A was doing a lot of things to was doing a lot of things good this year. Like as far as being more of like a versatile player and not just being a guy who scores on the power play. And especially at being a passer, because like I, I I mean, I personally think Line A is an excellent passer and one of the few guys on the Jets that can actually like find an open seam at five on five. But I don't know. I don't know to be honest. It depends on what the Jets are getting back and how much better they think they're gonna be without Line A. Let me rephrase the question. How much money would you give Patrick Line to sign an extension? Honestly, probably what he makes right now. I don't know if I would go that much further, to be honest, unless he has a huge season. That is not enough to keep him. I know. Like that's the that's the thing though. That's the thing though. It's a tough it's a really tough sell because I wonder if the it depends how much another team wants Line and how much they're willing to give like depends on how much they're willing to like give you for him. So I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I like, this is what I think with defensemen too, like a tough use. People say they want like a top four defenseman for him, but is a good top four defenseman as good as say Patrick line in a mediocre season. I don't know, to be honest, because a forward has more impact on the game than say, like 
a pretty good forward has more impact on the game than just a good defenseman, in my opinion. At least as far as like play driving goes too. But line A doesn't drive play is the problem. So that's kind of a double sword there. I may or may not have called uh, Mike Hoffman the great value version of Patrick Line, but sort of, sort of I mean, like like the like the store brand uh, Patrick Line. Yeah, I mean that's kind of I mean that's kind of what it is, but Line is still I mean it depends Line on how much, much better. better. But yeah, I mean, it depends on how much better Line is by this next season because I mean Hoffman's almost thirty years old. Line is what 20, 22. 22. Yeah. That's exactly my point that I was going to make because I, I understand all the arguments that you're making about why you wouldn't give him that much money. But the thing that keeps drawing me towards line is that he is only 22. And so his ceiling his ceiling might – well, and I guess this is the thing is we don't really know where his ceiling is. Uh, but it might, be, it might be a, a bit higher than where it is right now. Yeah. Wasn't he a goalie when he was a kid too? It's entirely possible. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I was – I had this argument. Somebody – I don't know. Some a few people like were responding, saying, "Hey, remember this kid was just a goalie when he was fourteen years old, or something. He's still learning. He's like still learning how to play forward, and he's already this good." And it's like, oh, uh. yeah. Like I see the point that he could be better. The thing with Line is like, how much of his value is going to be driven by goal scoring? Is the thing? Is he going to be a player that can drive play consistently, like an Ealer, like Ealers, or? Like, I just don't know where he's going to be better than he is in Winnipeg, though, because he's kind of facilitated. Like, he's set up there to do well with Ehlers and Shifley and Wheeler setting him up all the time. And just, I don't know, if you give him to another, if you trade him to another team who doesn't have that talent up front, I don't know if he'll do as well. It also depends on what exactly you get, like, what exactly a team is looking to trade for him, too. Just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I value Vine's game a lot more than a lot of people, a lot of like a lot of other people that look at stats kind of do just because a lot of people see a guy who's a drain on five on five play and not as good of a goal scorer as he used to be. But I don't know. I feel like maybe you can set him up to be a player that if you put him on a good line and if you put him on a good line and you can help change, I don't know, make him more of like a versatile goal scorer more than somebody that just scores from one spot. Um, I feel like you can get some value. I feel like you can get at least like whatever you're going to pay him in his next contract, but it's a, it's a tough sell right now just because I feel like he can get better, but I've also been fooled by a lot of players like this before who kind of live and die by goal scoring like Jeff Skinner. That's a deep cut there. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, like Skinner, he had a great rookie season, fell off the next year, rebounded the next year, got hurt, but got a concussion, then scored 30, scored 38 goals, had a couple of down seasons, then he scores 40 with Buffalo, signs a huge contract, and then boom, he's like a 17-goal scorer because, like, he lives and dies by how often the puck goes in the net, which always isn't part of, which always, like, isn't under his control with how the game works now, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's a really tough it's a really tough sell. Uh, one of the one of the things I had was I was always kind of surprised by how bad Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley were defensively, and uh, I didn't know if that was appearing in your numbers as well or just any general observations you had on that. Yeah, that 
it's I feel like it's kind of a byproduct in how the Jets play. But the thing with uh, the interesting interesting thing about Kyle Connor was that like he doesn't create a lot of shots in volume, at least by my data. Like he has a lot of like one thing I one of the things I just released is passing combos. Like it shows how often a player it shows how often like two players like combine for a shot. How many of this player's shots are from passes from X player? And Kyle Connor has a ton of one timers from Mark Shifley and a ton of rebounds and a ton of tips. So he's a very he's what I like to call like an opportunistic goal scorer. Like that takes a lot, like it's not taking anything away from him because like that is a skill being able to get to the net, tipping pucks, putting yourself in a situation to score, but he's also getting set up by a very good passer most of the time. And he doesn't need a lot of shots to score. They don't but, ask how, they ask how many. Yeah, it's just Connor, it's interesting how bad he is defensively, though. I always wonder if that's just a Jets thing or not. Because like Connor, I will say he's a bit of a one-trick pony. He doesn't pass the puck that much himself he kind of just waits for Shifley to set him up but I don't know if he's really like as I don't think he's one of I don't know if he's really one of the worst defensive forwards in the league or if the Jets are just terrible I mean who's to say that like both aren't true yeah like it's like defensive defensive play is one of the like the hardest things to really gauge especially with my tracking like that's the one thing I that's the one thing I kind of miss or gloss over sometimes not that I don't pay attention to it. It's just that it doesn't get captured with the stats I track because most of the stats I track are players with a puck. And bad defensive players and like players with bad defensive results are usually guys who turn the puck over a lot. And I'm not entirely sure. And I don't look at like defense. I don't look at zone exits for forwards that much, but the Jets are kind of a special case just for how much they rely on their forwards to get the puck out. So that could be a problem with Connor. I can pull up his numbers right now, though, and take a look, though, just to see if it is as bad as I thought. And yeah, the Jets are an easy team to Jets are an easy team to look at in Tableau because Ehlers is sticking out. Just because Ehlers is like all the way on the right part of the graph, all you gotta do is just click on the Jets logo, and boom, you got the entire team. I'm telling you, he's such but, a just a fun player to watch. But yeah, Connor is. Yeah, Connor has a lot of, he exits the puck with possession a lot, but he doesn't have a lot of exits in general, which means he, he either gets, he's either skating the puck out or he's turning it over basically. So that could be a, that could be what's going on there, but I still don't really know. I still don't know exactly why, like there is, why his defensive stats or his defensive results are as bad as they are. Same with Shifley really. Cause I think Shifley is a, I think Shifley is a very smart, player defensively like with knowing where to be but like the results just start there from a defensive standpoint so yeah uh connor did you got it did you have anything i didn't have anything else okay um i, think, I guess i think we went sorry. basically through the entire jets roster at this point like, <laughs> what do you think of this player what do you think of this player so honest, i think we've, we've uh we've covered just about every and i think we covered line a twice so yeah to be honest, I'm surprised there were players on the Jets that even I forgot were on the Jets. Hey, I mean, we can talk about Logan Shaw if you want, but no, I'm just, just kidding. Um, can we – okay, I do have something else. Do you know anything about Jansen Harkins? Because this is a guy that I think has played really well last season given the role that he had. And I, um, 
if the Jets are going to take another step forward, I think he's one of the guys that needs to step up. And I don't know if he's really a guy that you've looked into. Problem is uh, that like Harkins didn't really play that much last year. So yeah, he, like, he played briefly on the top line. What are you? Yeah, but like, that's not a whole. It's still not a whole lot of minutes. Yeah, like. Nah. Uh, let me see how many minutes I have for him. Because I like the way the kid plays. I'm sorry. It's not. I don't have a lot of data on him, so he's kind of a tough one. Yeah, I'm looking at your all three but zones. Uh, or I guess it's I guess it's CJ's uh, all three zones uh, performance tool. Got yeah. 123 minutes tracked, which is not really a whole yeah. lot. Yeah, it's not much. He did okay. Yeah, it looks yeah. like he did okay in terms of he did okay in terms of getting the puck up the ice. Just not a lot of offense to show for it. It's kind of like a lot of the guys that call up though. Isn't he older than a lot of the other? Isn't he older than a lot of their other call ups though? But he's also That's still possible. the 2015 class though. Yeah, yeah, because I know they had a lot of guys who they Didn't cycled they through. Like, briefly, have a 2015 class line or something like that for like. Yeah, he's 23. Yeah, because I think it was like him. Yeah. And like, oh, who was one? It was like it was like him, like Mason Appleton, and I think Roslevic all together for a little. Yeah, bit. I saw that. I saw he scored that goal in the playoffs, and Maurice like mentioned something about him being cut from a, like he didn't. He wasn't drafted or something in the uh, in juniors. Or, Sounds right. He was, he, the, he was picking the second round in 2015. Yeah, like I just know he had like a cool backstory from like juniors or something. Like uh, he was kind of like a forgotten player, but sort of cool in the playoffs. Like I'm trying to find that story because it was pretty cool. Okay, I think now we've covered everybody. Yeah, everybody <laughs> except Matthew Perot. Who, yeah, whatever. I've talked, enough, I've talked enough about it on Twitter. About, you know, I just don't understand why Matthew Perot has a no movement clause. Used, That's what yeah, I like. He was signed. If you're going like, to shed cap, like he's the the guy, he's movable. But he's he's got a no movement clause, which kind of he was signed I mean, like that makes him not movable. But... He was signed a long time ago too, from what I remember. To, to borrow a phrase from down goes Brown here. I mean, signing a depth player to like $4 million for like multi-million or for like for multi-years, like that is the no move clause. You didn't need yeah. to put one on there. Yeah, that was. That I was don't think he's a like, bad player. I just he used to be. Oh, he, Matt Perot used to be really good. I just don't like, understand why you need a no movement clause for him. He's, I, I think, think, he's I think good, it's a no trade. That was a no trade. That good. Same difference. Yeah, he yeah, used to be I've a really both good player, though. Like, a really good kind of Swiss Army knife type of guy. Uh, all right. So, I think we're going to wrap it up here. So, Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShutdownLine. And that's kind, of the, that's kind of the hub for where to find all my things. My Tableau, my Patreon, uh, my new Substack. Eventually, I'll build a website or something. So, I don't have to, like, promote everything on Twitter 24-7. But uh, you can find me there. I have a Patreon where I track all the, where you get access to all the stats I track, zone entries, zone exit shots. I've been building a lot of cool things there to kind of make the data more interactive. Like I just said, I just released a, I, I just released a new tool looking at passing combos. So I'm pretty excited about that. People responded well to it, and uh, I also have the new Substack newsletter coming out. So you can. You can have me, 
so you can have me and my girlfriend ramble about hockey twice a week in your inbox for however long we decide to do this. Yeah. So, uh, Corey, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, well, you can follow the pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at gripper 60 pod. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at bferrell727. You can follow Connor on Twitter at TC underscore 904. Don't forget to follow all of our friends here at the Hockey Podcast Network. And thank you for listening and have a good one. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. Since 1999, CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. They ensure every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. Since they don't outsource jerseys for customization like their competitors, they're able to offer the best quality, pricing, and delivery time on all of their products. If you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, they have what you need to support your team. If you take our word for it, then go to www.coolhockey.com THPN and use our promo code THPN for 30% off.